This is the Finding Strong Podcast. This show is dedicated to those who push their limits and try to find the strongest version of themselves each and every day. Each episode will touch on a variety of topics, including health, fitness, well-being, and athletics. We'll also do our best to showcase the story of athletes that are pushing their limits each day. We truly appreciate you taking the time to listen. So let's get into today's episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Gates, sitting with Mark Bottenhorn. What's going on, everyone? So how's it going down there, Mark? Uh, it's going well, just getting over this sickness and um, got sick last week, but I closed the week out with uh, 39 miles in three days um, to kind of hit a normal week for me at like 60-something miles. And um, so I kind of salvaged the week, even though I had to miss the race, but I had a really good workout today, 10 miles total, 558 pace uh, average, and it was uh, 3K, or I'm sorry, 5K, 3K, 1K. Uh, 5k was about 1650. Um, you know, so 526 pace for that. Very comfortable, uh, in the really windy conditions. Um, then I, uh, three minutes easy, then uh, 3k. Uh, so this is all like kind of at a threshold effort. So the 3k was at 526 pace as well. Um, three minutes easy, then 1k and the 1k was at uh, 519 pace. Um, so it was a really good workout, really solid. Um, anytime, you know, like 1650 for the 5k split in a tempo on really hilly, windy road. Um, I'll take that. I didn't even know if I'd be able to do the workout cause it was so hilly. Uh, so yeah, great, great day of training, great bounce back, uh, a little disappointed not being able to race, but I think, uh, with all things considered, this was probably a great decision and I am feeling great now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it will, I will definitely talk about that uh, throughout the podcast. You know, today, today we're just kind of just going to go over some uh, some questions that you that you uh, that you feel that they're social media. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm excited to do this too. We got about um, I think just under 200 questions, which is crazy. Um, a lot of them were were very similar, so that helped uh, narrow it down some. But I mean, there were a lot that we didn't get to that we'll get to in the next uh, few iterations of this type of Q and A format. But we did pick about ten today that we'll that we'll, we'll really touch on and spend some time on, and, and hopefully you guys find value in it. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm real excited. Uh, I know we were going over the questions. I'm excited for a few of them because I know that a, a couple of them definitely really really pertain to me and like my situation and like your your uh, situation too with uh, dropping out dropping out of the race. Yeah, I mean, I think they were great. I didn't. Well, I didn't drop out of the race. I just didn't go. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I, think there were, I was smart enough to not have to get to that point. Um, no, I think there are a lot of great questions that a lot of people are going to relate to uh, in this. So I do hope it, like I said, provides value. I think I think it will. I think it's going to be a really fun thing to do. Nothing else. Definitely. And uh, without further ado, we can just jump right in if you want. Yeah, you have the questions, so let's uh, let them rip. All right. So, uh, so this first one. It's pretty good. It's because, um, you know, balance and work. So this first one, how can you make uh, training sustainable and like um, with balancing like other like life responsibilities? Yeah. So, okay. That's, that's a good one. Um, we all have uh, certain life responsibilities. Most of us, most people listening to this podcast aren't uh, able to train like professional athletes. Um, so uh, balance and sustainability and longevity are going to be uh, really important topics. Um I think the, one of the biggest things about making tr- training sustainable is obviously it has to be realistic, right? 
Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, so, like, you're not going to be like Galen Rupp, and you're not going to run 130, 140-mile weeks, uh, one, because it's probably not that healthy for you long-term. Uh, two, you probably don't have the genetics to do that. But most important, I guess the biggest limiting factor is the notion that you just don't have time to train like a full-time athlete. Um, so you can make really good decisions to kind of maximize training. Um, but some of the bad behaviors I think that are really important to touch on is you have to uh, avoid a mission impossible approach that we were just talking about. Like um, if you don't normally wake up till seven o'clock and you go to work at nine o'clock, it's not realistic that you're going to take on 13, 15, 17 mile days or whatever the type of workout you do is. Um, and you're going to get up at 4 a.m. and do that. It's going to be very hard to fit that into your life to change those things around. If you're not really a morning person, for example, don't set yourself up for failure by saying, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to get this in, but I'm going to do it at 3 or 4 a.m. Um, it's probably not a sustainable approach. Um, so maybe a better option is maybe breaking some of your runs up to doubles. I mean, uh, in, in one, I guess in one way, it's not as effective because you're not getting the prolonged, um, endurance approach and you're, and you're training more often. Uh, but it does provide a, a really good stimulus and, and can actually, uh, lead to some injury prevention or reduction in injury rates, I guess, if you, uh, do it successfully. So I think breaking runs into doubles, if you want to maintain high volume, is a is a really good option. Um, maybe finding ways that you can, uh, you know, make an extra ten or extra fifteen minutes to run. You don't need to hit home runs. Like if you can find an extra five, and you want to increase your mileage safely, and you can find an extra five to ten to fifteen minutes a day. I think we all can um, look for those uh, in in your specific life and and find out how you can do it. Um, you know, I have an athlete who who actually run commutes uh, to the store because he eats a really kind of restrictive diet and he shops like three or four times a week. And I'm sure that takes a toll on his training. Uh, but what he actually does is he uses his uh, running pack and he runs like four or five miles to the store, uh, picks up the fruit, vegetables or whatever else is he needs, like really small quantities of it. And then he runs back home with it. And I think that's really effective for his easy and recovery runs. And that's just fine. And that's a creative way to get more miles in. So something like that is always cool too. Yeah, definitely. And I know what like, kind of works for me. I kind of um, look at my week as, as like a whole and see like what's on my schedule for that week for work or whatever. And I kind of try to manage and like work um, my runs in or my workouts in like in the in my open slots, whether it's going to like a, like a scheduled yoga or going to my jujitsu class or just like just training on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really good too. Um, I tell most of my athletes, they say, "Well, how much time is enough for what I want to do?" And if some of them have really like high goals, and I say, "Well, if can you train four days a week, and then you know, can you give me an hour a day, four days a week, and then um, on Saturday and or Sunday uh, and or Sunday, can you can you give me an hour and a half to two hours?" And if you can, you can you can be really successful off that volume. Um, and that's with strength training included. So um, I don't think everybody needs to be training up to two hours a day like I am uh, when you combine strength and cross training and running. Um, you know, a lot of people are even doing more, but I don't think everybody needs to be doing that. So don't get caught up on that. I think we need to avoid this kind of all or nothing mentality, right? Like another thing, if you want to make it sustainable for the long term, um, if you have an all or nothing mentality, like I missed a, I missed a run this week. Well, I mean, ultimately like if you miss one run, you just have a short memory and forget about it. You don't need to try to stack it up because when you, when you try to maybe stack two days into one, you know, or make up a run or something like that, ultimately you put yourself in a situation to get hurt. So if you miss a day, 
it's okay. Don't be hard on yourself. You're a human. Um, running is likely not your job. I know it might be a, a hobby and a passion, something you really care about, but at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. And if your week wasn't perfect, you're still one week stronger at the end of the week and you got less cumulative fatigue on your body. You're less likely to probably get injured. So it could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. You know, definitely. so in the past I've been an all or nothing type of guy and you know how that was for me. It was, it wasn't yeah. well, and I'm such a better place when I'm not all or nothing. For sure. Yeah. I can definitely agree with that. And you, you mentioned the strength training. So I'm kind of just going to segue into the next question with that. Like how can, yeah. how can strength training uh, be set up to complement running? Yeah. So I think strength training is really important um, for running and a lot of the athletes that I coach um, definitely balance a lot of strength training in their running. Um, but you have to do it properly, right? I mean, you're not going to go spend an hour and 15 to hour and 30 minutes in the gym uh, pumping away and uh, doing things like that. So what I would do is for most people, I do two to three sessions a week and I would spend 15 minutes working on um, metabolic conditioning. Like it's a really strong workout uh, or a strong warm up, And then uh, also some mobility in the first 15 minutes, the next 15 minutes working on really powerful explosive movements. Um, you know, your, your compound lifts, your, um, you can get creative with it too, but you know, there's nothing wrong with a, with a squat and a deadlift, uh, for 15 minutes, working a really heavy, you know, four to six reps in, in that range there, uh, 80% one rep max, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then the final 15 minutes I'd work on hypertrophy, uh, or hypertrophic, uh, exercises. So what you think of as your traditional exercises to build muscle, uh, in that time under tension, like 12 to 15 rep range. So that's, 45 minutes right there, you know, the final 15 minutes again is like you're basically what you're doing is, is, is trying to build and maintain muscle with that um, because the running invariably is going to break some down. So if you have those three components in a, in a training session, um, they're, they're going to be really successful uh, or you're going to be really successful in implementing that, um, you know, working on mobility in the beginning, working on metabolic conditioning is going to go a long way towards helping your uh, cardiovascular system. Um, but it's also going to, going to, going to really provide a, a really strong workout, get you burning calories during the, uh, training session itself. Um, so I think that's always a good way to start and, and everybody can benefit from improved mobility. And we know that mobility and flexibility are two different things, right? Flexibility is having like, I guess, um, I guess you could look at it as being really flexible, having a really, uh, good range of motion. Um, but mobility is more about, can you, can you execute? coordination and strength through that whole range of motion uh so they're two entirely different components um but very but mobility is very important and often neglected so um and if like uh, as always if anybody has any more questions about this like they can just uh drop me a dm or an email and i'm happy to answer them yeah definitely and yeah i'm finding a workout that kind of like, that aligns with your goals too because i remember i texted you i think like last week and like hey man i am fucking bored of the workout I've been doing, it's not like I'm just not motivated by the, by the work I've been doing and just, just affecting my other stuff too. And uh, I remember you, you immediately sent me a bunch of other stuff that kind of aligns with uh, things I'm doing now and my like long-term goals too. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point with that. Like the, the workout that you were doing before, I'm, I'm sure it's great for body composition and it served a purpose for you. But at the end of the day, like you're not trying to jump on stage and be a bodybuilder. No. Uh, and, and that redundant uh, stuff is really not within your nature. It doesn't play to your strengths. It doesn't complement what you want to do. So having exercises that are very complementary are what's going to help you in your specific sport. Um, and as a, as a rule, as a general rule, um, your, your strength training, your exercises, like what you do in the gym, should almost be the opposite of what your primary sport is in a sense, especially with running. And I'll explain, um, when you're running, it's a, a lot of slow twitch muscle fiber, endurance focused, 
uh, long, slow, steady stuff for the most part, 80% at least. Um, so when you are actually um, in a gym, why would you want to do that 20 and 25 rep range like a lot of uh, coaches with bro science degrees recommend? Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been fighting this off with uh, clients, former coaches. You should be doing really explosive type 1A muscle fiber stuff um, because it's going to help you generate the power to run really run really well. It's going to help strengthen your tendons, your ligaments, to be able to, to handle increased mileage. Uh, if you wanted to just do that really low-intensity uh, endurance uh, you know, slow twitch muscle fiber stuff, you might as well just run more or cross train. So it's really good to get, you know, that opposite stimulus in the gym and build some explosive power. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Love that. Love that explanation too. It, like you've been a uh, huge help with the last like a uh, few weeks with uh, kind of shaping my, my workouts and, you know, kind of changing my, my mindset on what I should be doing too. So yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you're a model of consistency. So you know that goes to show that you're doing really well. But I think if you add these things, they'll be more complementary and and put you close. You know, like every decision we make, uh, we make thousands of decisions every day. But we want to make the decisions that put us closer to our goals when we're making conscious decisions. And um, like your goals probably didn't align with with that workout you were doing, and and now the type of workouts you're you're doing and looking into are going to align more with uh, helping you be better in jujitsu, helping you be better in uh, rock climbing, helping you be better in cycling, help you better in running and OCR. All those things can be help you better in OCR. So it's a yeah. really positive snowball effect for sure. So this uh, this next question, um, what is the ideal human nutrition for uh, optimal performance? Yeah, so that that's like a that's an impossible. Uh, question for the most yeah. part, but I'm glad that it's, I'm glad that we have it in here. Um, so if we, I guess, um, and this would be great to have our team dietitian, uh, Lauren on the podcast, but I will do my best to fill in and she'll probably scold me for this, but I, <laughs> but I think I'm right here. I think I'm right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a registered dietitian, of course. So, uh, consult your doctor before you take any of our advice. Um, <laughs> That's not even call it advice, but um, I am very educated in this matter. It's a passion of mine. And I'll say, okay, if we look back to, and this is something that Pat, you and I talked about. If we look back to um, maybe human ancestral beginnings um, back in Africa, where we all originated from um, initially, um, if you looked humans before we were the human that we were today, like early humans lived primarily in the savannah. Um, and they would eat diets. Um, well, they would try to eat diets high in meat, but what we know from scientific evidence is that about somewhere between 3 and 5% of hunts were successful. I mean, think about hunting with primitive tools. Um, you don't have the stuff that you have now. I'll call my dad out. My dad's an avid hunter, and he still can't. He still can't hunt, and he has the most expensive hunting equipment on earth. <laughs> so imagine these guys with sticks and spears and trying to turn <laughs> I can't imagine your fucking dad running through the woods with a damn spear trying to trying to get a deer. There's no way. No, no. It's kind of funny when he hunts. I don't want to get off on this, but when he hunts, he just takes photos of the deer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, dude, just drop the camo, man, and be a photographer. Don't. Yeah. You don't need to <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, no, so like you could imagine, it was really hard. And then even when they did, uh, they did get meat. It was likely that uh, they just shared the meat with with other hunters. They didn't really bring it home to their to their uh, to their tribe and to their families. Um, so if we know that three percent of hunts were successful, we know that most of their food well, were coming from other things. So as humans, you know, they would eat 
humans had a pretty low lifespan then. Um, you know, if they survived childhood, they still would die pretty early because a, a myriad of things, as you can imagine, living in that type of situation. But, um, you know, they when they did eat meat, it was like savanna cats and things like that. They were very hard to hunt. They're very lean meat. Um, didn't have a whole lot of animal fat or anything like that. And um, not just really high protein content. And, um, you know, it wasn't until humans kind of moved out of the out of the savanna and um, into other areas of Africa that that we kind of evolved in our, and human brains took this huge explosion in size and growth and we started to walk upright without dragging our knuckles um, and at this point we know that humans survived primarily off of like underground storage uh, units like um, root vegetables carrots yams sweet potatoes um, as well as berries nuts uh, other things like that but there's a lot more competition for those um, types of food so so there was a lot of starches being ate um and a lot of fats from nuts and things like that so really truly hunter-gatherer diet is kind of what we we're um born to eat with emphasis on the fact that hunting wasn't really that central because it was very hard to uh successfully harvest that meat um and actually kill the animal um and even at this point when humans were eating a lot of carrots yams sweet potatoes berries, nuts, uh, you name it, leafy vegetables. Um, there were humans as, as far back as 1.8 million years ago or 1.7 million years ago uh, that were living over 70 years. Um, so, I mean, if you think about that, like women routinely lived past menopause 1.8 million years ago. Like the lifespan hasn't even changed that much almost, um, in max lifespan at least. And you know, it's because they were eating a lot of those starchy vegetables and stuff like that. So um, I think it, we've turned into society now is where like it's really easy to go to the store and buy all this junk. So one, I'd cut the processed food almost all the time. Um, two, if you want to eat meat, um, and this is I'm not going to get into the ethical or ethical or or uh, cultural or environmental standpoint. I'm just going to say if you want to eat meat, um, grass fed pasture raised hunted meat wild caught fish like salmon um, are really good options typically meats that are kind of high in fat are going to probably be healthier for your body um, you know typically protein isn't really a source of fuel and most uh, college age athletes and above think that protein is a source of fuel for our body it's actually really not uh, so fat and carbohydrates are the majority of our of our uh, especially as endurance athletes majority of our fuel should come from um, so I wouldn't be eating, I wouldn't contribute to factory farming, uh, just ethically. I think it's, it's, it's wrong and I think it's killing the environment. Um, but if you wanted to eat meat, I think, like I said, grass fed, pasteurized, uh, hunt your meat, uh, wild caught salmon, wild. If you can't find it in the wild, you probably shouldn't eat it. A cow, a chicken, um, these things are, you know, fed crap. Um, they're just not even real animals anymore. They're like, they're like Frankenstein animals. Um, and on top of that, we tend to only eat like the, um, the muscle tissue of animals when we eat them. And that wouldn't have been typical of what, what a human diet would do. Right. I mean, they would have used everything. I think like if you look at the healthiest meats, they're usually liver and organ meats and things like that. Um, so a diet really high in lean, uh, muscle is not actually optimal. So if you can't do that, I mean, I would almost go to more of a plant-based, um, situation if you can't afford because those things are very expensive if you can't afford to eat those i don't think that uh supermarket is your, is your best bet um for right. right so so are you vegan yeah that's 
that's a question I get asked a lot, and I'm finally, I never take a stance on it, but I'm going to clear the airwaves. I would not identify as a vegan, um, but I will say that these type of diets um, have benefits. Um, if you look at population studies, typically people who identify with a lifestyle type of diet, whether it be vegan, paleo, even keto, um, typically are healthier um, in terms of blood test results, in terms of longevity in life. Um, whereas if you get people that are like Atkins diet, uh, zone diet, uh, whole 30, uh, these like really fancy names, um, they tend to be unhealthy. So it seems to be like the way of life. is a better thing because it requires you to, or your beliefs make you uh, make good decisions. So listen, I think a paleo diet, um, if somebody eats that, they are, probably making a good decision from their health for their health if, if they're going away from a standard American diet. Same thing with a keto diet, as much as I hate to admit it, because I really rag on that. And then as far as a vegan diet, the same thing. Um, all those diets, they take careful planning, so you have to be careful. Um, now, I will say 99% plant-based. Um, occasionally, I will eat um, pasture-raised eggs. Um, pasture-raised eggs, like the ones that are truly pasture-raised, not not cage-free or anything like that, where you where you crack them open, they have these really orange yolks. Like you can tell, it's very healthy. Um, you just it's just it's just so much different, um, yeah. you know. And that's that's what I'll consume from time to time. And occasionally, I'll have goat cheese, um, but I typically don't eat meat um, just because I find uh, factory farming to be repulsive, and I find the the health uh, issues to be. Uh, not good for performance. So yeah, I would say that a vegan diet isn't necessarily optimal for more performance. I would say it's possible, and I would say more people need to eat primarily plant-based to be successful. Any any time you set up a meal, it should pretty much primarily be plants. Uh, don't care what you eat, even if it's keto, even if it's uh, paleo. Um, you know, I think I think a paleo diet skewing towards vegan uh, would be the optimal. Uh, from 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 my research, at least, the optimal diet for for humans. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and that's like the that's a tricky thing too, because you know we always can get caught up in these fad diets or whatever we see on you know social media or YouTube, like these YouTube videos. You go you're through the black hole of YouTube, you know, um, talking about keto and why it's good or talking about this other stuff, why it's good. And it's hard to, you know, you got to make your way through the weeds of everything too and kind of find out what, what works best for you. Yeah. I mean, typically when you eat a, a more restrictive diet, it isn't quite as sustainable. Um, but I will say like having variety in your diet's good, but maybe nailing it down to just a couple uh, food sources, not just a couple, but nailing it down to uh, very intentional food sources might be a, a healthier overall choice. Um, you know, like I said, primarily primarily plant based from uh, my research, from my performance, from my body composition. It works well. Blood tests, it works fine. Testosterone is at the high end of normal, uh, stuff like that. So there's uh, no issue like that. One of my friends said, What about all the, if you eat soy, what about all the, the estrogen you're eating? Well, this guy, he's confused phytoestrogen and estrogen. Uh, just because it has estrogen in the name doesn't mean it, 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 it doesn't mean that it, it correlates to having high estrogen levels, just like cholesterol and food doesn't correlate to having high LDL or low density lipoprotein, bad cholesterol levels. The same thing with phytoestrogen. Phytoestrogen is plant estrogen. It's, it's not the same thing as human estrogen. So, um, Needless to say, the blood tests have all turned out fine, um, and and so that kind of definitely is positive uh, 
evidence, at least for me, but everybody's different. So I say eat as close as you can um, and, and do your best 90% of the time, make good decisions. Yeah. So it kind of segues away into like the next thing. What, what supplements do, uh, should we be taking? Um, yeah. So like you or I probably aren't qualified to say that, right? But definitely, um, definitely don't take my advice on that. Yeah, but I, I can tell you some things that work really well for me. Some things that I take that I really like um, that have been that have been really helpful for me. So uh, first things first, I take a, a sleep supplement um, called Sleep Elite uh, from Enduralite. Uh, so that is really helpful for me because I have trouble sleeping as it is. Um, and what you do in training is really important, but the 22 hours that you're not training a day are, are, are more important because it's when you recover, it's when you repair, it's when you grow. Um, and having a really restful sleep helps me. So this helps promote restful sleep. It's not, you know, it's got some melatonin and it's nothing that's addictive. Um, it's got some great, uh, amino acids and things like that, which is always good to have extra amino acids in my diet. Um, especially since I don't eat really come, you know, animal sources and things like that. Uh, so I find that to be helpful. So that's one I take. Um, two, I take a CBD salve um, uh, from Prevail Botanicals, but uh, I really like it. It's it's something that seems like, you know, whenever I have uh, some aches and pains, it seems to be uh, really, really helpful for me. So I'm not sure. You know, there's mixed uh, evidence about CBD, but mostly positive. Um, and it's been great for me. So firsthand experience, I really like it. Um, I also take a green foods supplement. Um so it's just a really high antioxidant uh, supplement. Um, it's a powder. It tastes really good. I like that one. Uh, it's from Optitude Nutrition, I believe. And then um, I take a, a vegan protein uh, blend from my protein that I really like. I find all of those together uh, do really well. Um, and then pre-training, this is a different kind of segueing into it. Pre-training, I take uh, um, I take Enduralite's pre-workout Um so Perform Elite is what it's called, and I really, really like that. It's something that's really good. It doesn't have any creatine in it, but has a lot of beta alanine. It has um, just a bunch of different bunch of different things. Uh, so I really like that, and then I take a beet extract. So I take about five supplements um, that I find to be really helpful for me, and they don't drink. They don't drain the bank account. So yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, what are you what are you taking? Me right now, I'm uh, just doing some uh, some creatine and some uh, plant based protein. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle of like doing some research and getting some more stuff with like CBD and like some other things. Um, try to get some more spirulina in my diet and whatever too. Um, just kind of been doing more research on stuff. Kind of like not been just buying a bunch of random shit just to buy it. Just to be, like try it out. Just kind of looking and seeing what would be the best option for me. Yeah, I think that's a really good strategy. Um, and then to touch on creatine, there are times that I take creatine monohydrate as well. I take monohydrate. Um, it's super cheap, uh, but it's the most effective creatine. There's There have been very few sports supplements studied more than creatine dating back to the 1980s. There really are uh, no ill effects, no bad side effects. I mean, there's been gastrointestinal uh, distress for some people, but so that's... Uh, that's not a big deal and it's not in all people. So I find it to be one of the safest supplements. So yeah, it's a great supplement you're taking there. I'm not currently taking it, but I, I do. Cool. So I'm going to kind of go into the next one is, uh, what are some things to improve like recovery? Oh yeah. Um, I think there are a few things. So the, it's improved recovery and performance, right? The yep. question. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think there, there are a few things that can really I don't want to say biohack because I hate that word. <laughs> um, 
I don't want to sound like Smen Spinfield here, but um, what I will say is I think there are some things that we can do, little things that you wouldn't think of that can go a long way. Um, I think one of them is prioritizing sleep, as we talked about already. Again, you're training for one hour to two hours a day, 22 hours, you know, you're, you're building back up what you broke down. So getting good sleep is a good idea. Uh, naps do, do work. Um, they still count. So I would take naps. Um, I would look at it like if you um, say the the average person needs eight hours of sleep a day, it's 56 hours a week. Um, you know, if you say if you're running, let's just say 62 hours a week for, for an athlete, um, you don't have to get 62 hours in seven sessions. I would look at it like a like an aggregate. So you're trying to get, you know, 62 hours total sleep. Uh, you want to sleep as much as you can at night and be restful as possible. But you can throw in a 20, 30, 40-minute nap um, throughout the day if you get time. And I think that will really boost your recovery. Um, it does mine. That's yeah, for that's, sure. Uh, that's like one of the things I, I wrote down and underlined is sleep is extremely underrated. I was reading uh, reading an article about Cristiano Ronaldo's like workout sessions and like what he does. And he takes six naps a day. Yeah, and like and, I wish I could, I wish I could fi- fucking have the time to do take like one nap sometimes. So, yeah, and I mean that's impressive that he does that. It's not realistic for most people, but it does underline the importance of of sleep for sure. Um, another thing that's been really helpful for me is taking cold showers. Um, so I take a cold shower long enough just to just to shower, um, basically to wash myself, and that's it. Um, I find out I have so much energy after doing it. I don't like typically if I train really hard and then take a really hot shower, long hot shower. What I do is I feel sluggish for the rest of the day, um, but I feel like reinvigorated if I take a cold shower. Uh, and then I also think it helps a little bit with discipline to sit in there and be miserable in that cold shower. Uh, but also if I take one before bed, it helps me sleep too. And there's actually evidence to support that. Uh, so I, th- I like to add, take cold showers into that as another one. Yeah. There's this, uh, there's this thing I've been doing for like, maybe like twice a month. There's this, uh, like spa club, uh, in Detroit, um, where it has like the, the sauna and then the steam room and then like the, the cold tub, uh, where it's probably like maybe 50, 60 degrees in the pool. So you, I go freight from the sauna to the, to the pool, into the steam room, into the pool, just that heat, cold, heat, cold. And it's been it's been awesome on my my joints and my back and my uh, my shoulder injury that I've been kind of carrying with, and it's been worth every penny. Yeah. Okay. I think that that's a great investment in yourself. Uh, one of the things I was going to say is invest in yourself uh, in this situation, and and that would be an example of investing in yourself. So you pretty much knocked that one out for me too. Um, and then the next thing I would say is in terms of nutrition. I got a little bit of a of a must add to your diet. It's going to seem kind of strange, but add pepitas, uh, pumpkin seeds, shelled pumpkin seeds to your diet. Um, they're a great source of healthy fat. Uh, I like roasted salted ones. Uh, they're a great source of, of of healthy fats, but they're super high in protein too. They're one of the highest uh, vegan or vegetarian sources of protein as well. Even if you aren't a vegetarian or vegan, it's a great add to your diet. Um, they're they're filled with uh, micronutrients that are really helpful. They're healthful. Um, they don't have quite as much fat as other nuts, um, and they have a higher protein content. So I think those are super helpful. Since I add those in my diet um, as, as maybe kind of a, one of my uh, sources of fat um, and an extra source of protein, I've noticed some big changes in my composition. And that's not just from the seeds, but the seeds were one addition to it that really helped. Gotcha. And there's uh, – so there's like – I'm going to do like one question before I want to get into like the, like the two like really, really important ones I want to focus on. Okay. Um, 
This one uh, is how is OCR training different than uh, like marathon uh, training or like running? Yes. Uh, so this is a question that uh, we get a lot. Um, I work with, it's really weird. I found myself over the years working with a lot of OCR racers. Um, they might gravitate towards my training style. Um, you know, some of them who are, who are elites and, and professionals, uh, I program their running for them. Um, but I do work with OCR racers um, and I, and I, and I build OCR specific stuff into their training as well. Um, so it's really, it's in the principle is OCR is 90% running or more. Um, so that component is really important, but I think, uh, Obviously, so high volume running is really important. You know, slow aerobic stuff, doing all those stuff that we always preach with easy runs is really important. Um, but I'll get into what maybe you should add. Um, so OCR is a little bit different in that when we normally train, we typically partition um, our workouts into either endurance or strength. Usually working on both can be kind of a, a zero-sum game because um, – you're really canceling one or the other out. Uh, the outlier or exception to that is OCR racing because you have to be able to go from high heart rate threshold running at race pace uh, right into an obstacle and then right back to running. And I don't know about you, but if you think about doing that uh, 50 meter um, under the 50 meter bear crawl under the uh, wire or under the barbed wire. Um, so just running in, in the elite Spartan race that, that we did, I was the first one to the barbed wire, uh, climbed through the barbed wire. Immediately, I felt my heart rate pounding as I got backed up to go running. And that's pretty rudimentary, but the thing I hadn't done in my training is I hadn't, part, you know, I hadn't really, um, I was partitioning the training rather than incorporating uh, those aspects in the training. So uh, it's really about designing um, speed work that also integrates a lot of the specifics of OCR, um, whether it's like, you know, hard three minute intervals, uh, hard hill intervals into, uh, things like maybe tire flips into things like pull-ups, um, into things, you know, like a uh, sledgehammer, um, like I said, tire flips, uh, heavy carries, um, even as, even things like going into regular weight training exercises, like into five deadlifts, into sandbag tosses, medicine ball slams, back into those intervals is something that's huge because you need to essentially, as races get closer, you need to uh, be really specific towards the race, and that's one that's one component of periodization is specificity. Um, as the race gets closer, you want to train more like the race. Um, so what you'll do is add those things into your running. So it might be 1K hard, like 1K after a 20-minute easy warm-up. It might be 1K at a threshold pace, then one minute of an exercise, then right back into 1K at threshold pace, one minute of an exercise, and repeat depending on the athlete's ability and, and, and what they're able to take. Uh, that's really valuable because you – those transitions and you know then you can do race simulations and things like that so there are really a lot of good options there um but you have to include the heavy carries you have to include the grip work you have to be you know have a diet heavy of pull-ups um and you have to and, and you have to add them all together too uh with running if you want to be successful yeah definitely and, and like just go and experience new things too don't like subject yourself to just you know doing just certain grip workouts go go try a rock climbing gym you know go try that out see that see if that it's fun and you can train your grip 
Yeah, I think if you if you want to be a successful OCR racer and you want to be really good, there's pretty much no way around rock climbing at least one time a week, uh, bouldering especially. Um, so yeah, I think that's a that's great input, Pat. Bouldering is super important. Rock climbing is super important. If you don't have the grip strength late in races, it will cost you big time. For sure. All right, and then uh, here's those two of the questions that we're gonna get uh, that I really wanted to cover. Um, the first one is. Um, so was it hard for you to drop out of, uh, or not to, or to not to attend the race? The Jack, was it, was it the Jackalope? Yeah. So what the intent, what the intent was, is I was training. Um, I just came off of running the Rose 54 K, which I won and set the course record. Um, then we took three days off. As soon as I could run again, I was back to running. As soon as my quads didn't hurt to walk down the stairs and I wasn't crawling around the house, I was back to running. Um, with the intention of running Jackalope Jam, it's a six hour race of just a time loop. And I was hoping to get 50 miles to qualify for desert solstice. Um, prior, prior to the race, my daughter got sick uh, and basically took the whole household down. Uh, so I was sick. Um, and I woke up on Thursday with a sore throat and I couldn't even swallow. And I mean, I had a fever. I was sick. And I, you know, immediately talked to Matt, uh, my coach, and he said, don't even think about racing. And my initial thought was, well, let's give it a little bit and see. But then I thought about it, even if I felt better and I was probably going to act like I felt better, no matter what, or convince myself that I felt better. Six hours of racing, six hours of dehydrating yourself, uh, six hours of just destroying red blood cells with every foot strike is bad for the immune system. And um, I knew that Matt, whenever he says something, because, you know, he's my good friend as well and my coach, he has my best interest in mind. And my ultimate goal is to do well at the Rattler run coming up on March 29th to qualify, uh, to earn a ticket, so to speak, into the Leadville 100-mile race so I won't have to go through the lottery or anything like that. I want to seal my fate, control my destiny, win my ticket by performing well in the race and qualifying for, for Leadville, the race, across the, the race Across the Sky, one of my absolute bucket list races, one of the reasons I got into ultra running. So with all that being said, I knew that pulling out of the race was really the only option. Um, so I took Thursday off cause I couldn't even swallow. Um, and then I reevaluated, but I knew the race was out of the question. So I emailed the race director and said, thank you for the entry. Um, unfortunately I'm not going to be able to come. And he said, no problem. Hope you feel better. Um, I didn't think too much about the race after that. It's disappointing whenever we can't race, but I have such a, such a bigger goal, such a grand plan in mind that one single race wouldn't define it you know if i did really well in this race and ran under six hours 50 miles it'd be one of the top times in north america it would be you know it would be great it'd be a confidence boost if i didn't do it it wouldn't matter if i did do it it really wouldn't matter because it doesn't matter what i did in that race what really matters for me is um the race is coming up but even so they don't matter either because my why is so strong that i just care about the process and i care about getting better every day and some races will be shit and some races will be amazing and they'll be some of the fastest times in north america i'm capable of doing that it's a toss-up i can't i can't define my worth on those races um and i'm not going to define my happiness on showing up to the race or not right you know making those making those 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 choices for the long-term success is incredibly important yeah, yeah, I want to I want to talk about that. So I sacrificed my my current feelings where I knew I'd be disappointed. But what I did was I, I made the decision for my long term self. Like one, I could have ended up in the hospital. I was sick, and who knows how bad that could, the virus could have progressed if I ran my immune system down. Um, but two, 
I want to be healthy and live to fight another day. And if I didn't do this race, I mean, that's a lot of races in a, in a, in a, in a 12 week period or not even a 12 week in a, in a nine week period. Those are a lot of races to do to run a 34 mile race, a trail race, um, a six hour race, and then a 66 K trail race, three ultra marathons in 12 weeks is, is a, is a hard ass for anybody. I would rather be more prepared and this gives me more time to train for it without taking time off because I'm recovering. So I made the immediate decision, which wasn't popular in my own mind um, because I have long-term goals. And if you look at humans, we're, we're wired for survival. So if we go back and talk ancestrally, um, you know, if we look at our, at our hierarchy of needs, we're going to look at things like, um, we need, we need food, we need water, we need rest, we need to be uh, accepted, things like that. Those are always going to take pro- – so we're always going to make decisions subconsciously uh, for immediate gratification in those senses. Um, but that – in this modern world of convenience, we don't have to do that anymore. So learning to be able to make decisions for the long term um, is a really good predictor of somebody's success uh, and longevity, not only in the sport but in their career or whatever it may be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, yeah, if it's not going to benefit you in the short term, then why, then why even risk it or why even do it? Um, I, I know well, in the long term, in the long term. Yeah, in the long term. Yeah, I mean, we can we can make you know like we can go out to the bar and binge drink, um, you know, the night before an important sales meeting. But it might be fun in the moment, but oh, it's not going to be. But in the next, how's it going to serve you the next day and moving forward? And as a matter of fact, it might be a really bad impression and bad performance of that meeting, and that and that could cost you colossally. Um, and the same thing with races, the same thing with anything. So we need to really prioritize. If you have a clear why on why you're doing something, the decision becomes a lot easier. Oh yeah, definitely. And last but not least, one of, like my favorite question um, that we have for today is. Um, how how to deal with setbacks and disappointment? Okay, I actually I have my own little mental checklist for this, and I'll I'll start with um, I'll start with the background. You're experiencing some 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 disappointments and setbacks this week. I had my own setback with the race with being sick. Um, we are not immune to it. And we all are going to face it at some point, especially when you're pushing your limits, when you pushing your limits and getting the best out of yourself in any facet of life is really a balance. You're really towing this line um, and skirting this line. And sometimes you're going to go across the line because you got to test the waters and, and it's going to be a step back. That's a normal part of the process. Um, so what I will say is uh, expect discomfort. Um, you know, you're going to, if you want something really bad, if you're dedicated to something, if you're making it your life's work, whatever it is, your career, your family, anything, expect there's going to be friction and discomfort. Um, so from, from right off the start, when, when an athlete gets injured, um, I tell them, this is probably not going to be the last time we're going to do everything in our power to make sure you, you stay healthy and we're going to be conservative, but this is the name of the game. Uh, so one, ex- don't be negative, but expect that these setbacks are going to happen and that they are part of the process. Um, two, take ownership and be responsible for what you're doing. Um, you know, if you weren't listening to your coach, if you uh, were training in a pair of shoes and you got tendonitis because you had 600 miles on the shoe, if you weren't sleeping enough, if you were out binge drinking, accept it and say, this is on me. Life is 10%. You might slip on ice and 
strain your calf. Yeah. But life, a lot of times, um, comes down, you can't be a victim, you know? So take ownership of what it is. Um, and with that being said, to do that, you have to evaluate the whole process that led you there. What went wrong? You know, I think journaling and things like that really going to help you in these situations because you can look back on it. But um, just even a, a strong mental log of, of, you know, going back in there and say, where did I go wrong in this process? Well, before I had a 22 mile long run, I stayed out till four in the morning uh, drinking with, with, with Pat and Chris. Was that a good suggestion? Was that a good idea for me? No. So right there. Um, so what can I do now to make sure this doesn't happen moving forward? Um, reach out to, to your coaches, your friends, the positive people in your life. Because again, we always preach this. Surround yourself with people you want to be like. Humans are wired to want approval. Um, so you're going to want approval from, the, from your tribe, your clan. Surround yourself with the people that you want to be like and try to get their approval and do everything in your power to, to get their approval. Uh, it's just a survival mechanism, but it will usually land you among them, you know? Uh, and, and so when you have that crew, seek constructive criticism for, them. you know, like I, I asked my coach, you know, Hey, what, what did I do wrong here? What did I do wrong there? And, and he's very honest and he'll let me know. And I'm very honest and genuine with, with, with my athletes as well. Um, so that's one example of it. Be open to criticism. And then finally, you have to have a positive attitude. Life is literally, this is going to sound cheesy, Life is literally 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. So are you going to choose to say, I got injured, I got a flat tire, I missed a flight, I'm just going to wallow in my sorrow? Or are you going to say, I'm going to take action so that doesn't happen again. This is my responsibility. I should have left for the airport earlier. I should have been doing the proper recovery and training. I should have been eating better you know, whatever it is, I should have been sleeping more, but I'm going to use this time to make it into a positive. So I can't run. So what I'm going to do is work on my upper body strength. It's something that I normally neglect. Uh, just as an example, I don't neglect it, but as an example, I'm going to use this time to research and, and, and really hone in my diet. So when I can get back to running, it's going to be this really complimentary thing. So those are examples of how you, you can have a positive attitude and flip this from a negative to a positive and strengthen your weak points. When I broke my foot in a race, um, you were there, broke my foot in a race, and, and I was challenging to potentially win that race. The winner actually dropped out, um, and I broke my foot. And I didn't know how bad it would have been. It could have been like, you'll never get back to that level of running again. Um, but I didn't get too negative, and you can vouch for that. Um, so what I did was I, I sucked at rowing and I said, well, rowing is something I can do while I have a broken foot. and It's going to help uh, me towards my ultimate goal. It's an alternate to running. And I became a really good rower, a really strong rower. And that's gone on to serve me now. Um, so that's just one example of it. Yeah. I mean, that definitely last like few weeks I've been feeling like unmotivated with like the workouts I've been doing. And especially with, uh, I have like a little like shoulder injury. I've been seeing like, a physical therapist for, um, so it's been affecting, me with like my jujitsu classes and all that stuff too. So I'm like, so I've been, I took, I took like a day off to like, you know, let myself uh, be upset and uh, you know, kind of, I talked to you about it, but then got right back into it. It's was like, all right, well, I can't really do stuff that involves my shoulder. What else can I do? All right, well, I'm going to start stretching more at night. All right. I can start doing more leg workouts because I didn't really focus on just doing my leg workouts and strengthening my legs. So I can strengthen my core. I just can't really use my shoulder and like do chest and stuff like that. But using those other things and those other techniques 
it's and are you actually having a, that positive reaction of all right well having the shoulder injury sucks sucks ass might as well try to do something else when i can still run i can do other things like i'm not immobile so why, why am i feeling sorry for myself i can still do these i can still do things i just need to and then i can also focus on rehabbing my shoulder exactly Exactly. So you can find things that are both complementary to your goal and strengthen you in other ways. Um, and then, like, let's, they don't always have to be physical. Like, we're always talking about, well, we're not always talking about it, but like, a lot of the stuff we do gravitates towards the physical realm. Um, you got extra time throughout the day. Maybe integrate yoga if it doesn't hurt the affected issue if you're injured. Um, maybe you know, maybe focus on meditating. Meditating is so important. So learn to meditate. Um, maybe spend extra time researching and learning things. Those are really important. And setbacks and disappointment don't always pertain to injury too. So, you know, you could be burnt out. So if you're burnt out, you might need to change gears. You might need to change goals for the time being. You might need to find alternate ways. Um, you know, if, if running's not really exciting you at the moment, hop on a bike, um, you know, take up a new hobby that uh, that you can do to kind of escape from running a little bit. There are going to be so many setbacks and disappointment when you're trying to push the limits and, and, and accomplish things in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Gonna... And we can't, we can't just like always put ourselves in, in these silos where it's like, Oh, I am, I am just a runner. Oh, I just do jujitsu. Oh, I just rock climb. Oh, I just ride my bike. You can't, you can't uh, put yourself in these silos because at the same time it can be, it can be boring, and um, at the same time, we don't want to be. We got to push ourselves in in every facet of our life. We can't just just do one thing always forever, because we're because as humans, we like to do a bunch of different things. We like to interact. We like to try new things, and in order to try new things, it's going to push us out of a comfort zone, and that's where we're going to really experience that growth. Yeah, and what I take a lot of pride in for myself, and something that I try to teach my athletes, and they're learning at varying um, rates, is I'm. I'm not a runner. Like I don't identify as a runner. I don't identify as a 15 minute 5k runner or um, an ultra runner or something like that. I don't, that doesn't mean anything to me. What is really in like, I, if you ask me what I am, I feel like I'm, I'm a badass. Like, cause I'm, I'm pushing the limits in everything I do. Um, so if I love running and it's such a big part of my life and it's so important to me, um, if it were taken away and somebody said, the doctor said, you could never run again, I would say it's okay because I have these athletes that I'm pushing. I have this business I'm building. I have this really rewarding career. Um, I'm a father, uh, a husband. I am so much more than just a runner. Um, I am somebody who, who can push the limits. And you know what? If you've got to saw the legs off, saw those motherfuckers off, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play fucking wheelchair basketball, I'm going to fucking find a way to do every single thing and i'm gonna be ass at everything i do because i'm driven besides that i'm not i'm not driven by running a running a 5k and getting a medal okay i'm i'm here to push my limits and be the best version of myself um in every facet of my life so i can't necessarily uh get har i can't harbor this disappointment and sadness if i broke my foot and i was out for the effectively the better part of a year before anything was right. And even still beyond that, I was having like a lot of nerve damage and pain. 
and it didn't matter because I rose to the top. I, I kept rising to the top of my career field. I kept pushing my limits and finding other ways to be better. I became a, a really proficient rower. I became so much stronger. My body composition improved. You know, it's you, you can't put all your eggs in that silo and, and just say, this is me, because when that gets taken away, you're going to suddenly be contemplating life and saying, well, 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 what I am I? You're not defined by that number. That's why, and I'm, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to get off in this tangent, but when you see people who say, I'm a Boston Marathon qualified runner, that's, to me, man, what the fuck? Like, you're not, you're, you're so much bigger than, than some qualifying time for a race, and you're not more important than somebody who didn't qualify for Boston. So that's, that's like, that's one example of how people define each other. And what happens to a, a Boston Marathon qualified runner when they get injured and they're no longer a runner? Then what are you? Yeah. What? Well, yeah. What? What else do you got? Pigeon, pigeon so you got to bring everything to. Yes, you got to bring everything to the table every time. Well-rounded, discipline. Um, I believe that I have the mentality to succeed in any um, in any endeavor that I choose. Running is what I choose to do right now, and it's going really well for me. But I understand that it won't be forever. Um, coaching is something that I love, and I always have that. And I always have all these other things that I do in adventure and. and, and you know how like we'd like to get out and adventure and travel. So exactly. I'm, I'm golden, baby. Running's what I do, but it's not who I am. 100%. And I think that is the most perfect place to, to end this podcast. That's it. Put an end on it. Stay strong, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. We truly appreciate all of your comments, your shares, and your ratings. But more than anything, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to today's episode. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the other major podcast apps. And if you haven't already, feel free to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Let us know what you want to hear next. So many great requests already. Until next time, stay strong. Holla, holla, sit down, holla, 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 sit down, holla, holla.